Hello, my name is Peter Cinnamon, and you're listening to a podcast which is all about the Irish League. Lorne, run out victors of the battle at the summit this weekend. A rocket from Randall and a terrific header from Thompson slaying the Blues at Windsor Park to keep this title race in play, at least for now, for all the wannabe contenders. How will Linfield respond and could this be the start of something a wee bit special for the Inverreds moving forward? Elsewhere, Glenavon fight their way through the fog and the mist at Ballymena to claim their third win on the bounce as Carrick hold on against the basement-dwelling Swifts at Stagmore Park. Plus, we ask if the lack of New Year's Day games in 2024 is a big loss to the traditional schedule. All of that and more to discuss on this week's edition of Kicking Match. These storms may continue to blow and bluster and batter any of us who dare step outside at the minute. But at least you know, come Tuesday evening, you're going to be able to settle yourself in your house, kick off your shoes, grab a cup of something hot, maybe a wee blanket or something, and just chill out, knowing that your latest dose of the most up-to-date Irish League chat is sitting, waiting, ready for you in whatever your podcast player of choice is. And... As your head of state of this fine potting venture, you'll be unsurprised to know that I've once again reshuffled my guest lineup. And it's a familiar voice slash face. Here to join me is podcaster and Glenavon Media Man. It's great to welcome back. Hello, Dave Watt. How's it going, Peter? I'm doing all right. I joked last year a lot. That every time I would have somebody on, and I feel like you were one of the victims of the circumstance. That when I book people, it would usually come just after a defeat. You'd be booked beforehand, and then you'd be coming on talking about the sadness. <laughs> and I'm having you on after a great run. So, hey, what comes around goes around, ebbs and flows, ups and downs. What I'm saying is you're on an upper, and what I'm not saying but implying that uh, I have something to do with it. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. Of course, uh, the real man that's behind all of this, uh, I'm sure he would like to claim, is your recent new manager, Steve McDonald. But we will not get into that right now, as there can only be one game that we start this week's podcast with. And it was the biggest game of the season so far. So much riding on it. It was first against second. It was the champions going to Windsor Park against a team who have been hotter than anybody this season, a team who hasn't lost at home since Lorne beat them in the league last October. They were on a winning streak, but Lorne do the business once again, win out 2-1. They get the three points. More importantly, they put an end to this stellar run of Linfield and how they react, we'll just have to see. I joked last week about every other team in the league waving Lauren flags on Saturday evening and they got the result they wanted. Yeah, it was, the game itself was, you know, I suppose what you would expect from a, a, a top of the table clash and two ridiculously good goals from great players on, on either side and then a fantastic winner. But Lauren did what champions do and they, they, go, they, they got a, a really, they ground out a, a good win. That's not to say that they'll, they'll sort of keep going and then field will fall apart. I don't think that'll happen because um, they have a number of players who are starting to hit, hit a bit of form as well. Then field have won without necessarily playing an amazing brand of football. And and that's, again, what, what the best teams do. That They're consistent and they put other teams under pressure and they make you make the mistake that allows them in. You highlight something very interesting about Linfield, which I've noticed this season. Last year, it felt as though they were too passive. And that's definitely not something you can say about Linfield this year. But, but what I've noticed is that I feel as though they grab you in a vice-like grip. They kind of just wear you down and make it a bit of a war of attrition. And of course, they have these great players. But what this it's almost like why they're running away with it near the end. Yes, they have the fitness. Yes, they have the quality. But they just kind of grab you and put you into a corner uh, and these teams are just trying to wear themselves out. They're trying to bat away all these players and all these players. And what you don't want is, is to give Linfield the space to grab you and put you down early. And that's what they did against Lauren. They take that early lead. It's a fantastic goal. It's a little lovely shimmy and move from Cooper. Uh, he just wraps his left boot around it and it goes right straight in the back of the net. And you're thinking 50 minutes in at home, 
Lauren doesn't look to have properly settled into this game. Here Linfield goes. And this boy felt like a bit over the top before the game to say this. But I know talking to other people, this was the sentiment. If Linfield had won this game and they're sitting at top of the table with 43 points, 11 points on teams in second. They hadn't won the league, but they had one hand on it. That's what Lauren have done. They have denied that opportunity. Now, of course, we can see that swing next week happen very, very easily. But that is how important this is. This would have opened the door even more for Linfield, which is why Lauren had to turn this around in the way that they did. And when you are in the Dragon's Den at the National Stadium, sometimes you need a bit of magic. And that is a word that perfectly sums up that strike from Mark Randall. Oftentimes you see thunderbolts like that, 35 yards out, go high and wide and they're closer to the corner flag. But he had the confidence, he had the vision, and he had the execution to fire that right into the goal. What a strike to level it. It's absolutely brilliant. If I'm a little bit critical defensively, Jimmy McGrew completely blocked the goalkeeper's view. It wasn't exactly like it was in the corner, but as you say, I mean, Mark Rattle has history of doing stuff like that. He's that sort of a player that can pop up literally out of nowhere and fire one in the top corner. He's been actually, I would say, fairly, for his standards, a little bit quieter in the last... I mean, it, it, it's sometimes hard to tell what, what a, a midfield player does. I mean, sometimes question in the midfield team the, you know, what Chris Shields or Jimmy McGrew do, does, but all of a sudden take them out of the team and they're not the same team. Randall can be like that for, for Lauren. I mean, the fact that they let, well, not so much let, but Sule didn't fight as hard as they could have done potentially to keep food Sule, but over time that they wanted to keep Mark Randall and he wanted to, to stay and sign. That speaks how valuable a player he is to them, even if he is getting to the back end of his, of his career. I'm sure many people outside of Lauren would have viewed Randall previously as when you see all these names coming in, you're thinking he's the type of player that maybe they're they're attempting or looking to, to phase out and didn't get the same plaudits for their title run last season than the likes of Sule, Cosgrove, Bulger, Bonus, those real mainstays. And mm-hmm. they needed someone and they needed a couple of players to step up to the mark. This has been a bit of a bumpy ride this season compared to last year. And another player recently, which we've been talking about, mm-hmm. who has also grabbed this current situation and, and taken by the scruff of the neck, is Joe Thompson. He delivers, again, a very different goal yeah. this time round. A deaf little header. Brilliant stuff. And in many ways, it comes from Randall picking up the ball in a very similar position. And because I actually he, thought when I saw it, he was gonna he was gonna let go again. You know, is, it gonna, is he gonna get another one? Here? And the Lim, the Limfield uh, team knew that. And I don't know if it was Mulgrew went. Oh, I need I need to mark this guy. Can't let him do that again. He then gives a little bit of space out wide, and then they're able to, to pick it in. But even when that ball comes in, he has to jump higher than Chris Shields, who I thought had a, a very good game for Limfield. And sometimes it's skill and ability. It, it's Going back to that magic word again, that is going to be the difference here. And I thought this was one of the best Lauren performances I've seen in a very long time. Uh, I don't know what it is or what they have over this Limfield team, but they love playing against them. They continually get results. And I wonder, mentally, was that just in the back of, of that Linfield team's head when they get the goal, they're feeling themselves, they get pulled back and they think, ooh... You know, maybe this team has has something over us because I thought up until the goal, particularly in midfield, Linfield were ferocious. They didn't let Lorne come out of their own half. They kept passing back, trying to find space. And the entirety, both banks of of Linfield players were denying everything that Lorne had. They, They needed to take it out from far to try and squeeze that in. As the game went on, they broke down those blocks and, and Lauren found they're, they're passing a bit more and Linfield kind of retreated into themselves a wee bit more. Look, they've been so brilliant this season. They have the ability to lose this game and, and barely look like there's a scratch on them. Uh, on another day, this uh, could have been very, very different for them. 
and and for Linfield, they're just gonna have to dust themselves down and, and power on. They they can't let this be a shadow that hangs long over them. Yeah, I I, I can't see them now suddenly, as I said earlier, go on a, a mad losing streak. They'll as you say, they'll dust themselves off, they'll go again. It's not as if Lauren went out and completely outplayed them for 90 minutes and then field didn't look anywhere near it. Similarly to, I suppose, ironically, how Glentoran went there earlier in the season, had a lot of possession, looked look very good, and then field come away in the end, fairly comfortable winners. I don't think Glenfield were outplayed, so they'll take, they'll be like, well, okay, well, we've, you know, we've run the wrong end of that one. A moment of inspiration and then one moment of, of, slack defending if you like because they allow a runner across the front post it's not like it's they completely fell apart they were just outgunned on, on the day ever so slightly they were edged out it wasn't a convincing win by any means but it's a great game of football and it just shows you how these top six games can just change everything in an instant you sneak a win everybody takes points off each other then you're in a different situation. But when you've got constant games against each other, you have the ability to crawl back. Based, everything's kind of in every team's hand. And, and now the next games that both these teams will play, Lauren hosts Coleraine, and Linfield go to... Now, they aren't in the best run of form, but Linfield go to Seaview, and that's never really been a happy hunting ground for them based on, on the past couple of seasons. This isn't the same Crusader side uh, that they've played against, but they will need a reaction because they can't let this one game, I, I said it before, let, let it slip. So they've perhaps maybe relished the chance to go out and have a big game against a top six side. You, you, you mentioned there about um, Lauren liking to play against Linfield and, uh, and that sort of thing. I think the the style of play, I mean, Lauren are usually used to having to break teams down because they are solid defensively. Linfield came out and played a little bit and that probably allowed Lauren to, to do a little bit more that way. Uh, in the same way, I think Crusaders have been a lot, generally a bit more solid in recent seasons, less inspirational as, as the likes of Heatley and Owens get a bit older um, and they're, they're not as... We certainly saw it the weekend, Paul Heatley still get, can still get a goal. But um, I think you're right, Crusaders maybe aren't the force they once were, but they're still effective and it will be a difficult, difficult place to go. Um, it always is. Seaview's a, a tight ground, the crowd get at you. You know, you, you like, like most Irish State grounds, you can definitely hear everything the crowd say. So they'll let you know your mind. And, and certainly if, if you're a player, you've got to make sure you're, you're steady enough to be able to deal with it. Well, as David Healy reads more about him being linked with other jobs, it's now up to him to flex some of these muscles, show what he can do. He's the man uh, with the tracksuit and he's now got to deliver from his position. Uh, but let's go now to our next game. Let's go to the fog of relegation war. At least that's what many people thought it was at the Ballymena showgrounds when Glenavon went up to there. It's been... I don't know if it's been a happy hunting ground or, or this fixture's just delivered goals and red cards. And I've been to many of them over, over the past couple of seasons and they've always been thrilling. This one wasn't so much, but Glenavon get out of there with the points thanks to a goal which gives them and their manager, Steve McDonnell, their third win in a row. Who saw this coming? Probably people who saw the fixture list, but... You can only play who's in front of you and you're sitting pretty on 16 points before we get into the game when you arrived at the showgrounds looking out on this fog, this thick mist, especially after it being the Saturday after a week where you travelled all the way to Limavati to then not play a game due to a floodlight failure. You're thinking, this can't happen twice in a week, can it? Well... That's exactly what one of the the directors said to me on on uh, on the way up. He said, "See if you've got me again. <laughs> I'm never traveling with you ever again." On on the way up, we got a message from uh, one of the other media guys who had just arrived, and he was like, "I can't even can't even see the the stand from the from the car park." And then he sent a picture when he got there. He was like, "Maybe it's not too bad." We arrived and could barely see across the pitch. So at one point, we were sort of going, "This probably won't get paid here." Um, and then when you see the the actual highlights of the game, at, at times, sometimes referees were given a, a bad rap for wanting to call games off for whatever reason, just because the you know the, 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 they don't fancy it. 
Uh, so I think a bit of uh, a bit of plaudits deserve to go to Ian McNabb and his team for actually their desire to get the game played and to persist in what were tricky conditions for them. Now, thankfully, because we both teams play in blue, we were wearing our chains kind of fluorescent yellow. So <laughs> yes. actually... Cycling proficient, that, that's it, proficiency yeah. yellow, yes. Um, I mean, it was actually made it a bit easier to see because you could actually see most of our players. It did make me think, did the Premier League not have like a luminous ball that they used to play with during, during winter? I know it's a long time since the well, random... Well, they still do play... Um, with a yellow ball from a, from a this sort of time right through to maybe nearly the end of February, and we we were we were talking about that as well. Yeah, so like, does Niffle not have like a pink ball or something? That, we, we were talking can... during the match and saying, you know, why why don't why don't as part of the um the ball package that that they offer to the teams not at least have one set of yellow balls that you can play with because but we're not in exactly the warmest country in the world and we do get snow occasionally more so in recent years sort of February February March time when and that's so why do we not have a yellow ball to play with and again in this sort of circumstance it's, it was very difficult I mean kudos to the keepers they they pulled off some great saves from from shots from 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 distance and, and uh picking out crosses and that dropped it very very few times so we probably should have a few uh few fluorescent balls in there you were live at the ground, I know you were saying there that a, a fellow media professional was talking about not being able to see. Once the game got up and running, was it a bit more clear than it looked via the highlights and, and via through the club feeds? Was it a bit better because I, I could understand looking at that and it got progressively worse throughout the game at times. Would have completely understood if it had to get cancelled. I doubt any team really wanted that, especially when before half time a goal goes in that I kind of makes it a bit more awkward I'm, I'm sure either team are thinking get a goal here and then oh no absolutely don't don't call this off I can't do that yeah I mean the, the point the point was made if the players are genuinely being affected where they're missing simple passes or the goalkeepers flapping at things out of nowhere or you know I mean as, as I said there both goalkeepers were were solid throughout the game and, and made good saves nobody was Oh, you know, misjudging crosses or high balls, really. So it seemed like it wasn't overly affecting the players. There were times, as I said, where from the stand we couldn't see the far touchline or the the corner flags. So from a perspective, I made the point at one point saying, like, it doesn't matter whether we can see the match; it's whether the players can see the ball and the referee's happy to continue. So. As I say, the the referee was happy to persist. The players didn't seem to be overly affected by it. But yes, it was it was worse than. I mean, I, I took a picture during the game just to see what it was like, and I actually looked better on the phone than it did in real life. So whatever the whatever the the iPhone camera does to it, uh, it, it enhanced the image that uh, you could see better. So at one point, we were nearly watching the the, the master of phones to see if we could see it better. <laughs> you spoke about some of the big saves they came via. One of the main men for Balamina this season, Sean O'Neill, there was like a one-on-one battle for points of that game between the young Arm Prendergast and Sean O'Neill. He was a big influence there. Of course, the goal then comes thanks from the head of Conor McCluskey, not something that you would really associate with him, but he was there able to get, if you can call it a scrappy header, uh, but he, he gets the goal in there and then the game just never became a, a back and forth contest. It uh, was not a pretty game, which you can totally understand in the circumstances. Uh, like I said, this now gives Glenavon three wins in a row. It wasn't a particularly uh, fun opening uh, slot of games for your new-ish manager, um, Steve McDonnell, but that is an excellent run, a great turnaround. People were talking about how you could see the difference he was making on the team. For those who haven't been watching uh, Glen Avon week in, week out, I've noticed some of these differences. What have you seen the team do differently that you didn't really see at the start of the season? Because it's the same group of players it's it's just the man setting them out every week that's the difference it is yeah i think generally um the change of perspective on how the game should be played is probably the best way to, to sum it up to pitch it to, to gary and obviously uh, michael's been on before and has done that but he gave us some of the best years the club has ever had 
but I do think that the general consensus around the club is it was time for a change anyway. He'd probably taken us as far as he could. He might say different, but I do think that certainly initially, I, I don't think it's been a, a it, it would be unfair to, to Stephen McDonald to say it's been a new manager bounce the way you normally would would see when somebody new comes in and players are like all oh, fresh, fresh opportunity, all of that. It, 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 if, it's if much it's a bounce, more... it's a very delayed one. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know, I know that, um, and, and that's why I'm saying I, it's not that. I think I'll put it this way: better players, I think, generally speaking. I mean, you look at the likes of uh, go back to Real Madrid when they had the Galacticos. You don't really coach those players too much. You just say, right, lads, go and play your natural game and you'll overpower teams. I'm not saying that Pep Guardiola does the same thing at Man City, but he has some of the best players in the world. He just has to make them fit into a system and make sure they're all on board. I know that, that's very simplistic, but Glenavon don't have the best players in the league by any stretch. They have some really good players, but I think sometimes those players can be made better. Stephen and, and Simon and the team have brought some fresh ideas. The players have bought into it and they started to see the results because of it. A few different ideas. We played in inverted fullbacks for a couple of weeks where Connor Kerr was playing left back and Malcolm was playing right back and just tried different things like that that the players really weren't used to. But the buy-in, as I say, from the players has been excellent. So the idea is, it, it, it's it's one thing saying, I mean, your manager's going to come in and give us fresh ideas and, and, and a new philosophy on how to play the game and that sort of thing. But if the players aren't on board, it doesn't matter who's coaching them because ultimately, once they cross that white line, it's down to the players. You can also see Jack Malone's getting a more of a, a run in the team. Peter Campbell uh, is stepping up, making his presence known. You're you're getting fitness uh, from the likes of, of Nal Quinn, and he was always going to play a big role if Glen Avon was going to have a solid season. So less new manager bounce, more new manager chi. You mm-hmm. know, changing things around the room. You know, new lamp over there, inverted fullbacks, defensive partnership. You know, things like that, and. So far, as much as it didn't look great at the very start of his tenure, I'll, I'll repeat those three games, three wins. You can only take what's in front of you and they will be excellent wins. And, and they set you up now in the table brilliantly. 16 points. It looks great uh, right now when you're only three off Carrick. They themselves are getting a nice run going. And what it really does is, is it makes a nice little gap between yourselves and that... 10th, 11th place. Six points is a, a nice little cushion at this time of the season and I know what McDonald wants is to push on and, and, and kind of leave this talk of him being in a four-way battle for 11th and 12th. Kind of put that behind him. Um, to talk about the team that you did face off against Balamina, um, they have not had a great season. I've You've played them twice now. You know, you, you've, well, you've played all of the teams around that bottom area which was a four and now looks to be a three if Glenavon keep things going what did you make of, of their performance and how do you compare it to the other teams that you've you've faced so far I think but I mean, Balmain have had their their documented struggles financially and certainly in the last wee while I just think at times they lacked a lot of cohesion in their play they have a few good senior pros I mean I've always rated Stephen McCulloch for example as a really good player there wasn't at any stage that I sort of felt worried, really, that that a 1-0 wasn't going to be enough because Rory made a couple of decent saves. As I say, they got through and Danny made, Danny made a few two good blocks as a the rest of the defence. They just didn't seem to have any belief that they could win that game. I, I, I would be very worried for them. And that game against yourselves wraps up a run where they had Dungannon, which they only drew with at the end of October. Um, they also lost to Nuri earlier in October. And then throughout November, they lose the lock all, lose to yourselves. And now ahead of them goes Glentorn, Linfield and Lorne. You know, when you guys have had that easy run, you've got the points. When, when I say you, I mean Glenavon. Balamina haven't done that. And that will always spell trouble. And, uh, they can only react to that the best they can. Um, at least, I guess, for them, they're sitting there saying, well, at, at least we're not bottom. And the team that's currently sitting there had a ding-dong match themselves against Carrick Rangers. But once again, they aren't able to get anything from the game. They aren't able to get a win. And uh, 
They came close at the end to clawing it back. But uh, Karak Rangers and Stephen King continues this nice little bump they've got in form where they're playing well and getting the results. The game ended 3-2 to Carrick and uh, Carrick have a number of players they can thank. Uh, one being Glenn Dinning in the goal who had to be there to stop the ball in what was maybe injury time from uh, a Dean Curry header. The most disappointing thing I think if you're a Dungannon fan watching that game is that you played nice little bits of football. You pass it around. Yes, once you got into the box, they didn't know who to play it to or they didn't have players in the right positions that could impact the game. But all three of those car goals, yes, one of them's a penalty, they just felt soft. They felt like they were mistake-riddled. And you can't do that in the situation that they're in, especially at home. Yeah, uh, I think, I mean, all five goals came from set pieces, if I'm not not mistaken and that's sort of the the basics of defending is yes the attack is set to attack but as a defense it's probably the most set up you will be to defend a scenario so uh, and as you say they were all fairly soft the one thing i, I will say on for, for dungannon is like you're saying there they're getting into those positions they look like they can score goals so i think if you're comparing dungannon and Balamina. Defensively, they're not they're not great, but the problem is when they get to the other end of the pitch when they're when they're playing really good football, which Dungannon always have done. Any from I can remember, Dungannon in the league, one thing you've always said about them is they're really good technically. No matter whether it was Ronnie Macquarie first time round with Darren Murphy, uh, whether it was Dean Shields, one thing you always say about Dungannon is they play really good football. They've just been a bit toothless in the final third. On the other side, Carrick have a really good front line. I think Curtis Allen has been one of the best players in the Irish League over the 15 years or whatever that he's been there. Uh, I think Shirley King said that himself. I was very disappointed that we didn't sign him when he left Glentoran. He feels like a player that like spent half a season on loan at Glenavon. It's just, you know, the Mandela effect. I'm like, Curtis Allen playing yeah. for Glenavon just feels like, of course that must have happened somewhere. Uh, but Unfor- Unfortunately, he didn't. But, I mean, his his intelligence, is, his football and brain is unbelievable. He picks up positions that people don't even think of. Uh, Shirley King has been playing a lot, uh, a lot of good football. Again, they're not massively sound at the back. Uh, I think they're they're probably more where Glenavon used to be. People are, people would have viewed Glenavon as we score one more than you. And I think that's probably where Carrick are at this stage because they know maybe they're not great defensively but they've got that front three and a bit of creativity as well. This is not a technical term, but when you think of Carrick, I think of the way Shirking has set them out. It's almost like chaos football. He creates opportunities and he creates moments where his key players can create a bit of magic. I'm not trying to say he's scheming up Danny Burkus to hit it from the halfway line, but he 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 is creating opportunities where Curtis Allen can be in the box, where Danny Burkus can running in the channel. He is sacrificing some stability by having your left back until the waltzes way seventy yards away from his own back line. You know he he is creating these opportunities that comes with high risk and high reward but it's it's why they're able to have these big moments is why they're able to come back against Glentoran in the way that they do do they get caught uh, absolutely and i think that's why you see this up and down nature but what they've been able to do is get a 3-3 against them field and it's probably about them going right maybe just dial down the risk try and do something that feels a bit more structured against the teams considered in the bottom six and then play this chaos ball or, or whatever way you want to say it where they're getting it to their big players in, in the big games. So I think it's tweaks. I think when you've got that fire, you can't put it out. You just have to try and manage it. And, and that's what Stuart King's doing. And I understand why there's frustration with Carrick fans when they're saying, why can we come back against Glentor and then lose against Glenavon? I think it's because it's trying to fine-tune it. And a bit like an incredible rock band, you can't teach that. It's There's something mercurial about that, that you can't... Yes, the top-end teams will be 
you know, the Man Cities will have had those triangles trained into them uh, until the cows come home. But right now, what Sure King is doing is trying to get the most out of his diamonds. And uh, when you get wins and performances like they're getting, uh, you will take it. It's just about the ebbs and flows of it. And uh, to think about a team that uh, excellently used their star man at the right moment. Crusaders looked like they were about to be down and out. Another poor result in County Armagh in a week where they didn't start with Heatley or Leckie. Ben Kennedy was completely out of the team. They were feeling sorry for themselves after losing uh, to put it down in the cup. After going 1-0 up in what was a bit of a testy little encounter that wasn't really much going for either team. Wasn't much flow to it. To then be pinned back away from home. Lockall were, were happy to take that. They were, they were going to try and counter and catch the crews on the break. On comes Leckie. On comes a not 100% fit Heatley. And that's a bit like the chaos ball we were talking about. A bit of magic. Through ball over the top. The poise. The skill. The precision. And they get the three points out of Lakeview. I'm sure Lockall will be gutted after all the endeavour and fight that they put in. But when Cruz needed a hero, it was old reliable that stuck on the cape and got the goal. Yeah, Paul Paul Hately has been the thorn in the side of many a team in the last sort of 15 years, even going back to the way while he had it at Carrick. He just has that ability to and, and consistently pop up when his team need him the most, whether that's scoring ridiculous volleys or uh, winning a penalty or getting in the face of the opposition and riling them up and, and getting a foul that, that leads to something else. Or in this case, pop it up in the last minute when you say, you know, not fit and finding a winner. As far as luck all are concerned, they've been really, really good this year. They remind me of, must be, 10 years ago maybe a bit more when Ballon Allard first came up people sort of didn't know how to take them they were a bit of an unknown quantity as such that a few few good players that maybe didn't make it at other clubs and a few sort of younger players coming through they definitely uh, they need to as, as in playing really really well and I remember talking to one of the, the local uh, players who had been at Glenavon and he said it was one of the most professional environments he'd ever been involved in and you know that, that that says something even and that was when they were in the championship. So if if you're doing that in the championship and you're able to carry that into the Premiership, it's not really a surprise to me that they're doing so well. Like a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, luck all been a bit of a surprise package this year. Yes, they have because people maybe didn't see or or understand what is going on, going on behind the scenes, but they're very much uh, a very organised club. They at least matched um, Crusaders for the majority of the of the match. Dean Smith celebrated seven years as manager this week, and he has crafted this team so well. They absolutely are finely balanced, but they're balanced in a way that they have steel at the back. They create opportunities at the top, and they have players out wide who can create chances, can catch teams on the counter um this is a team which which has it all um do they have their limitations of course they do but i always feel week on week if there's a team that i would want to watch lock all just have a bit of everything that's impressive about football that you can get something out of and they nearly got a point could have maybe sneaked all three points and they've just got to be loving it every single week with crusaders i i, I think you're really seeing when they go into that game starting Jordan Owens without Leckie, without Heatley, both them being on the bench, Ben Kennedy completely out. We know that they're having to deal with suspensions and injuries, and I have theorised that potentially not every single one of these Crusaders starters are playing up to their abilities because they're having to deal with these niggles, and I think they're getting to the point where they literally are not able to play and they're being thrown on at the end to, to scratch back and it's, it's it's just tough for them because it started so brightly and they haven't been able to, to capitalise on it and uh, the big games will come with, with Limfield next week and uh, uh, 
a team who have been able to get uh, most of their big names for a majority of the season and have been able to keep their good run going um, has been Cliftonville. And they had Nuri to deal with. Nuri, who haven't won in five games now. They're bottom of the, the form table. And you'll see on the highlights that there was plenty of chances for Cliftonville. And... Uh, uh, with that, they didn't take them all, that's fair to say. But I would give Nuri a lot of credit in this game. Um, if you saw the more extended highlights, you'd, you'd see that they, they played really well from from deep. They, they were playing the ball out wide. They were making runs. And there was a few big saves that the Cliftonville keeper had to make to keep the minute. Uh, they were scrambling about at times. Uh, but... You're not always going to play your best football and I don't think Saturday was a prime example of Cliftonville at their best. For goodness sake, Ben Wilson didn't score and that seems to be a shock to many people. But he had his little chances as well. It was the heel connection which delivered uh, and it was uh, Ronan who was the one that knocked it in thanks to a cross in from Rory. A goal is all they needed. They take the points and they move on. Yeah, I mean, it seems unfair that they have both. Ronan and Rory Hill, um, as well as Joe Gormley. Um, there should be a quota. <laughs> yes, you should, only, only one Hill per team. Um, no, I mean, again, I, they probably weren't up to their best. We fed them twice this season once they played us off the park. But on Saturday for, for Nure, it was probably similar to the game against the Zegland a couple of weeks ago where they had a few chances. Didn't look on top of the world, but Jimmy Jilton has been playing some good football. They definitely have their movement. Again, I, I've always, whether it go back to Tommy Breslin and his Cliftonville team that won back-to-back titles, what's that, 10 years ago now? The movement then, then under uh, Paddy McLaughlin, again, lots of movement. And that's continued under Jimmy Jilton. The, the, the fact that they're not, like you're talking about, you talk about Carrick playing chaos football, Cliftonville do something similar. However, again, I mentioned earlier, they have that attacking threat as well. They finish those moves when they pull you apart. They they stretch teams. It is quite literally like chess. It's just pinging around the board and all of a sudden you, you've, you've tried to combat a knight and then the queen's standing right beside your king. And it's usually, you know, Hale or Gormley, free as a bird, pinging the ball in. It, it always comes from something going around and just, ah, you know, it's almost like the, the, the other team will go, ah, well, fair enough. You you, you just nicked in there at the end. And uh, what Cliftonville will have to do is just keep winning regardless if the form um, isn't there. And perhaps another day they play exactly the same way and the scoreline looks more impressive. I think I just want to give Nuri a bit of credit in that you, you've seen the results haven't been there and they've they've been unlucky. They've been the architects of their own downfall. I'm talking about Lauren as well. And they've had a couple of, of tough fixtures. Um, they aren't creating a whole load of chances. They aren't scoring a whole lot of goals, but there was more to their performance than, than what a, a 1-0 away loss sets them up to be. Yeah, they, they definitely do play, play good football and they can be at times defensively solid as well. They were a bit unlucky on, on Saturday. As I say, Cliftonville created a few chances but didn't look up to the best. Nuri could have had a couple of goals themselves. The game played closest to recording. Uh, it ends not really great for, for either team. It wasn't a particularly exciting game. Nil-nil. And uh, it's a strange little outing these two teams. They always seem to either cancel each other out or... It, it's just always a bit odd and un- unfortunately this is one of those games which didn't produce the fireworks and uh, yeah it doesn't sort them out either way does it? No it's probably indicative of where both teams have been this season where while while other teams are with envy they're striking you know Shevlin for, for Korean has been particularly hot this season and certainly any of the the, the remarkable striking talent for uh, Glen Torren has been anywhere near the height you would expect when you look at it on paper um, I think as uh, frankly once said football's not played on paper You summed up something which I think encapsulates what's been so frustrating for both sets of fan bases neither of them have uh, been particularly happy with the way this season has gone I think that's an understatement and externally you would look at both teams and go 
when they haven't done well, the lows have been quite low, but the highs have been very promising. And we often talk on here about how goals get the games. And both these teams on their day have goals. They have impactful players, but it doesn't always come together, knit together. And I think it's just a mix of, of not finding that little concoction which blends all of the best bits of these two teams together. And between now and the end of the season, it feels like it's just about establishing top six for them and maybe having a bite at a European place. But you've got to feel like that. that is, that's treading water for these teams. And it's treading water in an area of, of the table that they've probably feel like they've been doing it for a while. Like at some point they've got to go, do we break it down to build it up again or do we just need one more piece to take us over the top it, it's it's something that i'm sure both sets of supporters have been racking their brain what needs to change i mean i think brent Warren have been i had one more one more piece to the bat nearly every transfer window at least one more piece over the last few years i think it for them it's possibly almost the opposite effect or the opposite thing that needs to happen they need to maybe have a look at who doesn't contribute and then go with a, a, a maybe slightly reduced squad where you can say, right, well, actually, for argument's sake, right, Jay, you're our main man, away you go. Or actually, Jay, you're not part of our, our plans anymore, away you go, right, find somebody else. Or you say, right, okay, Junior, you're the main man, Jay, you're on the bench, like it or, like it or leave it. And I think that that's probably the problem that Glentoran have. They have almost too many good players and just finding a way to, to fit them in the system. Korean, it, it's difficult to know because if it seems to be if Conor McHenry doesn't either play or come on or have any sort of impact in the game, they don't seem to be really able to do anything. Time to go to the news and the one thing that was top of the list for me was something that actually Glenavon and Balamina were the trendsetters on. You guys sat down and went, you know what? This whole New Year's Day thing doesn't really work out for it this year. Maybe we can give it a miss. We can let the players have a wee sherry or whatever they want to do, sleep in. And we'll just play our game on Saturday the 30th. And then last week, there was an announcement that actually all of the teams said, I like a bit of that. Sounds good to me. And we now have no games being played on New Year's Day in 2024 in the top flight good idea bad idea disappointed it does seem odd and it is a bit of an anomaly just based on the 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 calendar schedule you know we've we've seen boxing day plus one and now we're seeing new year's day minus two i think it made perfect sense you know why why miss a a saturday you know i I know obviously everybody wants to play on, on on new year's day but it's sort of going, well, just because we've always done it doesn't mean we always have to do it. And it, make, it makes more sense because a lot of fans maybe don't don't always get New Year's Day off for different reasons, or it's easier for them to take that Saturday off. Um, some of them are incentivized if they work in, in maybe retail or, or other industries where they're incentivized to work on, on like, so a bank holiday to earn a bit more money. And also then anybody who has been off you know they're they're back to work the next day, and um, so maybe the social clubs and all of that wouldn't bring in the same sort of revenue they w- they would do on a normal match day. So the Saturday makes sense, and as you say, it's a good one for the players as well to be able to say like you know this year and this year alone, you know away you go have have a bit of a of a shindig, let off some steam, and, and we'll see you back again for for next week. I think it makes sense. There hasn't been. A hu- usually on something like this you would see a massive outcry saying this is the worst thing ever it feels like a lot of people are saying oh tradition that's disappointing that we're not going to have it and I'm sure there is plenty of people who will feel disappointed that they are going to wake up on New Year's Day and, and feel like that's a day where they, they go and watch football and it does feel like a, a nice tradition but you've pinpointed a lot of the reasons bar takings uh, could be up might be more consistent uh, when you have the way christmas and new year's is set up this year 
that Saturday probably feels like a massive dead zone, whereas something like that to look forward to probably feels enticing to a fan. And we talk about the players being able to get a rest. Maybe the fans will go, you know what? Uh, there's a chance I might not be out of my bed uh, by three o'clock on New Year's Day. So they'll be able to chill out <laughs> and relax. You know, think about the said, you know, match reporters or, you know, game uh, social media officials. Maybe they want to stay up and uh, watch Jules Holland and, and see the fireworks. <laughs> Absolutely. Um do that anyway but uh no i mean it, it's allowed it's allowed clubs to sort of as you say potentially maximize it's, it's an extra day almost that maybe you wouldn't have got you know people stay a bit later for boxing day after the match anyway it's maybe an extra day where, where clubs can maximize the revenue for for gate receipts and for as you say for, for social clubs and that sort of thing so financially for the, for clubs it will make a bit, bit of a difference uh, i know we're a few a few clubs have planned some events for after those matches. We're doing our own sort of night at the races as well. So the idea of of being able to to maximise every opportunity to, to to fund the club is, is definitely um, a good one. If it's just the way the calendar falls, then uh, you've got to maximise that sort of thing. You know, another little quirk. Uh, as you're here, I may as well mention it. Corian go from playing on. Monday to then having a Friday game which we'll talk about in our preview uh, we already spoke about how Glenavon made a venture up to Limavady in vain due to the uh, situation with the floodlights there um, we also saw in the League Cup that uh, Lockall and Annie United uh, they had their game delayed and just following up from that story we talked about last week and, and the flooding at, uh, on the Tandagi Road it looks as though the pitch is a wee bit better than they thought. They do need it to be replaced. That's what they're clear about. But it looks as though by hook or by crook, they're going to be able to get it working. At least they'll try to uh, for the rest of the season and, and get that patched up and mended up. With that, that means that there's a couple of games that need to be played. Bit of a heavy schedule for Glenavon after a nice little run coming. Yeah, um, just on that, I mean, we got the whole head of Limavari, literally pulled into Limavari to the, into the service station and got a text from one of the the coaches saying the, the floodlights were, were off and uh, I sort of went, ah, you're joking, aren't you? And he went, nope. <laughs> so we, we just arrived. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's not ideal. Um, I think it's, we play Newry away on Friday the 23rd. I think the reason why we decided, we pushed for, or sorry, 24th, we pushed for, um, not to be played on the Tuesday before that is to give us an extra bit of, bit of extra day, but then we're playing uh, Friday away at Newry, Tuesday away at Limavady, and then Saturday away at Coleraine. They're three long trips. It's part of the, the joy, I suppose, of being involved with a, a semi-professional football club. You've, you've got to sort of um, take the rough with the smooth. There's, there was a, a period there where we had we're playing Saturday, Tuesday every week, every week, and then the last few we'll be playing just on Saturday. So it's part of the schedule, and you've got to go with it, you know. But it was great to see that that Anna have, uh, have managed to get their uh, their, uh, their their well, hopefully their, their pitch back at the playable state. I saw the video that was doing the rounds, and it, it didn't look good, you know. While I still have you, let's talk very briefly about the draw that was made uh, from the League Cup with the game not being played. Glen Avon are still in it. And interesting little thing has been set up where you have Lorne and Linfield paired together again, which every other team in the competition was probably hoping for. They also have done the semi-final draw and uh, the winner of Lorne against Linfield will play against the winner of Dungannon and Uri. Bet both teams love the quarter-final draw. Semi-final draw, probably not so much, but that sets up something uh, exciting for them. The other side of it, very intriguing. You know where this is going right now. Portadown after their <laughs> uh, big scalp in taking care of Crusaders at home. They will now play in what it will be a mini County Armagh derby, uh, at least when they either will play against Lockall or Annie United. If Glenavon get past the Mavadi, which is probable, but not uh, a nailed on thing, then they've got against Korean. We could see, and it would be an epic game, I think, for a lot of neutrals, 
a Glenavon Portadown League Cup semi final. That probably would be the biggest mid Ulster derby that that we've seen for probably well over a decade, maybe more. Like I can't remember too many like big massive cup games like that. Portadown being in the division below, they won like the League Cup being in that division, very different circumstances over a decade ago. What I'm saying, if I was the Vince McMahon of the Irish League, I would book it. So would I. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the only one that I can think of that was maybe as big was possibly, I don't know. What Meeting was, in the uh, final. Hi, yeah. Uh, no, I think it was, was uh, either the, the sixth round or the quarterfinal again maybe about 10 years ago um, when we on on the route to winning it so it must have been 2013-14 at Shamrock Park that was the, the one where Joel Cooper um, waltzed past half the team and then chipped the keeper uh, that was ridiculous but uh, absolutely uh, the fact that there's no Boxing Day this year or there's no Boxing Day but there's no Derby on Boxing Day I think Certainly, it would make up for it, but I think we're getting a little bit ahead of, ahead of ourselves to presume that we have to give Limavati their dues. That they're they're a team that we have to be, have to go and beat. We can't just assume that we will win that. And I think that's something that, that Stephen has done really well. Is where the team where the players maybe didn't get up for some of the the or have been accused of not getting up for the the smaller teams. The likes of the fact that we've been knocked out of the the Irish Cup and the League Cup at the first opportunity the last five six seasons possibly since we won it give a lot of ammunition to the to the naysayers who you know were saying well we're, we're not this and we're not that and, and we need to be winning those games they're probably right but lock all Corey in semi-final it is <laughs> yeah that's to be honest that's well that's as likely um although we do travel relatively well to Korean. We've got a true weekend of football just like Jared Lawler envisions and dreams of. We've got games across three days. Of course Lauren are playing on the Friday and we'll start there with our previews. They take on Korean at home. They'll be able to welcome back McKendry, I believe, after his suspension took him out of the Glen Torren game. Lauren they just can't let this slip, can they? Like, I know Korean have been hot and cold, and usually they're hotter against the teams in the top half of the league. But at home, Lorne, despite them not having all of their big guns up top, they need to deliver and get the points to keep pace and to keep the heat on Linfield at the top of the league. Yeah, they, they need to consolidate that. There's no point in in, in going and beating Linfield at Windsor and then not consolidating that with a win the next week. It's sort of, you know, you, I think you'd almost prefer it to be the other way around if you were going to do that because Linfield potentially will, will win their game and it sort of cancels itself out. So it'll not be an easy game. Korean haven't really hit the heights that, that they have done in recent seasons. But again, they still play good football um, and they're effective, as you say, against the, those top six teams who give them a bit more space to play because they can might play themselves. It'll be a, be, a, be, a good, be a good match. I still think that Lyon will probably edge it, but it'll be a, a, cl- a close enough game. I agree. Korean feel like they have been progressively getting better, but uh, ultimately that back line is... Is still something that I can't believe in fully um, when you have Mark Randall pinging it in from far out and Joe Thompson on the run that he's on. You've got to go for the hot hand and I'm going to say that this is going to be 2-1 to Lauren. I, I do think that Corey enough. Plenty of attacking talent, plenty of ex-Lauren players and one of them, one of, half the team's Lauren, I'm sure, one of them got to get a bit of a revenge goal uh, and make it a little bit interesting. We go to Saturday, the other big game we were talking about earlier in the pod, Crusaders host Limfield. How many uh, of those big weapons of Crusaders are going to be back and how many are going to be fit enough to be able to influence the game significantly? I think that this is a, a wounded Crusaders and they're going against 
angry dog in Limfield, and despite Seaview being a bit of a an unhappy hunting ground uh, for many teams, that just hasn't been the case this year. And uh, I, I think Linfield could maybe score a couple here. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's if ever there was a time to play Crusaders, if you're Linfield, it probably is is now. It could be, it really could be three or four. Crusaders don't have the steel at the back to withhold a team like Linfield and. When they don't have uh, all those uh, all those weapons firing uh, at, at at full strength, it's just going to be difficult. So yeah, I actually think this may be one of the biggest wins Linfield's had against Crusaders in a number of years. I think this could actually be potentially three plus, uh, just by the way it all all goes uh, by the end of the game. Dungannon and Nuri a really a big battle at uh, the bottom of the pitch hasn't been the most exciting encounters when these two teams face off sometimes it's been controversial rather than thrilling and as much as you can't predict anything like that they, they both go into this game of uh, better performances last weekend but without the points sometimes when these two teams face off against each other it, it means it's a draw but I don't know I just saw a lot more from Nuri last weekend where perhaps especially playing away from home which they always seem to have a bit more about them away from home I think they'll be able to find a bit of space between the lines against the Swifts and yes it might be another 2-1-4-2 kind of game but I kind of fancy Nuri to to take this maybe 3-1. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you but at the same time I think as, as I said earlier both teams play good football Maybe they're a little, generally a little bit toothless. I know that sounds very ironic because both of them have hammered Glenavon, you know, <laughs> several several times in the last couple of seasons. Um, although I think that's probably more to do with our defending necessarily or lack of defending. But I I think that I I would say that it would be a fairly eventful game, in the sense that. The football will, will be good, but I'm not sure how many goals will be scored because I think actually defensively they're not, they may cancel each other out. Um, I would probably put it down as a score draw, 1 1, 2 2, something like that. If you have to give a most likely to be nil nil game, it, it would probably be that. Just, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing where <laughs> yeah. what happens when you have slightly blunt attacking lines going against very Licky backlines. Who who wins in that battle? We do not know. But I think it'll be a case of of who makes the least mistakes. Six, yes, it's probably least mistakes. Probably yeah. the you know um is, is the way it'll be rather than who creates the most chances. Now this has been a dreadful fixture for Glenavon in recent times. Even when Lockall weren't in the same division, now that they are, you actually got a nice little two-two when you needed it uh, earlier on in the season away from home, and. Now you're going into this game, a nice home fixture against Lockall, and you've got three on the bounce. Making it four would be complete joyland. Can you see it? Can you believe it? Or will you be panicking every time Benjamin gets on the ball? <laughs> uh, maybe a bit of both. Um, I just think that certainly from our perspective, from the Northern perspective, I I think it's been it's been brilliant, and we can see the style of play that. It's even as definitely brought to the team, but as I also said earlier, Lockall, you know, troubled and got results against. They were unlucky last week, but troubled generally. Most teams they they played against, hence why they're sitting where they are in the league. I want to say because of the form that we're on, I think that we'll win, but I think it could potentially be another draw again. So they think that Lockall will will certainly they'll not sit back. They'll, they'll come out and they'll, they'll play the play football the way that they want to and um. I think we may struggle with some of the pace as well. I, I oddly think a bit of expectation, having played a quite intense game against uh, Crusaders last weekend, perhaps a little bit of complacency here. I I oddly think, I don't think Glenavon are going to win this, but I, I think this could be a, a draw here where Lockall are, are ruining their chances. I don't think this is... A particularly great matchup for Glenavon stylistically, as just the players out wide and 
the bullying nature of Ferris and uh, of Jay Boyd could, could really make a difference here. So I think a lot of people will be expecting a get right game for lock all, which is crazy the way if you were thinking about this three months ago, but I'm probably going to be a bit, a bit more conservative and I'm going to say one, one there. I wouldn't disagree with it. Glentorn hosts Balamina. You know, this is so tough from Balamina. They haven't been great away from home. But what type of Glentoran team will show up? They they haven't. We all know what what their past few weeks have been like, and the pressure is so on Glentoran. You just don't know if they will use that as confidence or they will wilt within that pressure. And all of a sudden, the uh, mercurial dynamo that is Isaac Westendorf, if he somehow rampages up and gets a goal. How will Glentorn react? Really, if Glentorn are to even look like a, a top six team, you cannot be losing to Palomino at home. Yes, and I don't think they will. Um, as I said earlier, I think Palomino, unfortunately, well, if, if Westendorf can, can find his feet, he just looked very isolated against us last week. And I think that's probably going to, it will be even worse again against the likes of a Glentoran team where Balamina will probably sit in and hope for a draw. I, I feel like pe- people people over-egg over the Isaac Westendorf stuff. It's just because he is a player for Balamina that does get the ball up top and looks to be the real driving force when he gets it. Like, they, they do, you know, clearly they have other players but up there. You know, I, I do think, uh, you know, Fraser Taylor is, 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 is like this little kind of, number 10 but is very nimble and is more of a, a passer than a runner but he can take it around a few players but you know when they don't have McMurray or, or Carfriel getting on the pitch and influencing it there is just so much on Westendorf and he is just so hot and cold and it could be magic or it can be a complete dud but for for, for Glentorn they have you just have to think no matter what way things go between Junior and O'Connor, and particularly Jed only, they will have chances against this uh, not very sturdy Balamina back line, and it will take a bit of a calamity for them not to knock in at least two. And then from there, can they hold it tight at the back? You would like to think so. We would like to think so a lot of times this season, and we haven't seen it go this way, but I, I don't think... I am going out limb by saying 2-0 Glentoran here. Well, I was going to say it could either be another 6-1 demolition or a toothless Glentoran and a 0-0. Um, I think that says more about Glentoran necessarily than it does about Balamina. Yeah, it's it's Glent- I've said this before with other teams. Glentoran will decide their fate here, not Balamina. Balamina will do their best to influence the game. It's theirs to lose. Yeah, yeah it's, sure. the, it's theirs to lose. This is such an interesting game. Carrick Rangers against Cliftonville. Cliftonville have been slightly up and down in recent times. They've had some big, tough games that they didn't come out of uh, with the points that they would want, but they didn't come out being particularly well beaten. But this this Carrick Rangers team, on a Sunday afternoon at Taylor's Avenue, there's something that has this weird echo of Linfield last season. I know the sun isn't going to be shining like it was last year for that big famous win, but I just feel like if Carrick is going to use Perkis and Co to do a, a bit of a snatch and grab job against Cliftonville, this feels like a nice time to do it. Will they? I think they're going to snag a point here, and I'm going to say 2-2. Yeah, I, again, I wouldn't necessarily disagree. As I said earlier, it's the two kind of the two teams that, that that play that sort of chaos football. Maybe one is slightly more deliberate, the other slightly more inspirational. I'll let the listeners decide which one's which. <laughs> but yeah, I I think it would be actually a very entertaining game if both teams can certainly play the way they've been playing this season. That being said, Cliftonville more times than not find the way to to eke out a, a one mil or as they did last week, as I said against uh, also a few weeks back. I 
I think it might happen again. So I, I'm going to say that Liverpool will win 1-0 one, one probably. Fair, fair. Dave, great to have you back on the pod again. I know I've been highlighting your connection to uh, Glenavon and the, the social media team there, the much-beloved social media team of Glenavon. But, uh, you know, you have more than <laughs> one feed that you share and post things on. Where can people find out more things that have been... Uh, filmed or penned by yourself so i my instagram and uh x now isn't it i've got x can call it twitter anymore it's at, at wavy dot is uh is, is pretty much where i am but most of the stuff i do at the minute is through the, the Glenavon, uh social media stuff and um, whether it's uh, post post interviews or or posting about the the upcoming events that we've got tremendous that's where you can find me most of all good stuff dave It's been a pleasure, as always. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me again. Thank you very much for listening. Another one in the can. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm now going up the rankings, going up the stages of, like, being Baltic at games. You know, a couple of weeks ago, it would have been, we jacket the T-shirts, fine. And then all of a sudden, you're like, "Mm, maybe got to bring the jacket in there, get that involved. Then it got to the coat because, you know, it was going to be a tiny bit rainy. Then you were thinking, let's stick on a, a few layers underneath the coat. And now we're just like one below DEFCON, like, freezing. And that is, you're going to wear a hat and maybe a scarf as well. I'm just wearing a hat any, any, anywhere I go. It's like I've been looking at the hat. It's like the reverse of the of the shorts. You just look at it and go, I will see you soon. And then all of a sudden, it's the only thing you wear. So uh, if that's you, Games, um, I'm with you. I'm there. But you know what? At least we've got some big cracking games coming up over the next few weeks which of course you know i'm gonna be here to chat through it all and i also chat about games and the funny little quirks of the league online on the social media platforms that's at kicking match on instagram facebook and twitter and you know i only tell you that because if you aren't following us there you probably should good place to be there uh you can also subscribe to this podcast on whatever your platform may be if it's spotify if it's apple Podcasts, if it's whatever the other ones are like amazon podcasts you know hit subscribe hit follow and it means you get a little notification it means it's gonna like recommend it to you so you know you don't have to constantly check if we've got it going on i've uploaded it but you know i'm currently aiming for that tuesday evening slot at the minute outside of that you can also go hands free you know what i'm gonna say here it's kicking match an irish league podcast just say it to your smart speaker and they will give it a go until next time thanks for listening see you soon my friend (laughs) 